No one knows the day or the hour, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be ready. Keep to the truth of Scripture and follow along with this next podcast series, The End Times, to better understand the times in which we live. The clock is ticking. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, My name is Dave Roberts. I'm pastor of Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, and this is the Living Grace in Today's World podcast. I want you to know right off from the beginning today that uh, this podcast and a few of the coming episodes are going to have a change of format. There's just so much going on in the world today that uh, I want to take a few of these episodes and focus on the current events that uh, we see happening and their possible prophetic meanings. For those of you who study these types of things, it may seem like a little bit of a review, but I just feel there are many in the church today who have never explored these things before and may greatly benefit from understanding what Scripture has to say when it comes to the end of days. Obviously, when you talk about the end times, you're talking about some things yet to happen, and so there is a bit of speculation, but that should not dissuade us as people think it should. In other words, don't be a no-one-knows-the-day-or-hour-so-we-shouldn't-study-prophecy type of person. The Bible even talks about such a person in 2 Peter 3. It says this, Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. It says they mock the return of Christ because of their desires. They want to fulfill their lives, get married, have kids, have a career. So the thought of Jesus coming is an interruption to, well, their desires. So they don't want to hear about it. Please don't be that person because Scripture calls them mockers, which means to make fun of or belittle. We should understand the times in which we live from a prophetic position, keeping to the truth of Scripture. I also need to preface this with the fact that there is some wild speculations out there when it comes to the rapture and tribulation and the second coming of Christ. In some corners of the body of Christ, there is almost like an obsession with trying to figure out dates for all these things to happen. My position is that we don't know the day or the hour of these events, any of them, but we are to know the season in which they occur. God has given us many clues as to the season by listing various things that will begin to happen. And in Luke 21, 28, Jesus says this, But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In this episode, I want to focus on the prophetic significance of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Well, and that's my first point. They are God's chosen people. From the moment God entered a covenant with Abraham, the Jewish people were God's people to reflect his goodness and his glory. Oh yes, they have rebelled against him many times, and he has punished them as a father cares for his children. Even today, they live in rebellion, denying that Jesus is their true Messiah. But that will all change in the coming seven-year tribulation. God loves the Jewish people, and that's why, well, Satan hates them and foments that hate around the world today. 
Perhaps the single most important sign that we are living in the last days occurred in 1948 when the Jewish people returned to the land God had promised Abraham centuries ago. They had been out of that land since the first century A.D., but in 1948 they returned. In Scripture, the Jewish people are referred to as the fig tree. In Luke 21, 29 through 32, Jesus is talking about the events of the end of the age, and he tells this parable about the nation of Israel. He says, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Israel is the end times clock. <laughs> when they returned to their homeland, the clock started ticking as it says this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. These things include the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, oh, the mark of the beast, the rise of the Antichrist, etc. So the obvious question is, how long is a generation? Psalm 90 verse 10 says this, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Doing the math, we see that 2028 is 80 years from the return of the Jewish people. Some say the return could be calculated as late as 1950 when everything was ratified in Jerusalem. Needless to say that if these scriptures mean this prophetically, we are in the season of the end times. In my study of scripture, I've come to believe in the sequence of events that the church, true believers in Jesus, will be raptured before the great tribulation which will be the worst time for the world in all of its history. Here are three reasons why I've come to this pre-tribulation rapture conclusion. First reason is found in 1 Thessalonians. In the first chapter, verse 10, it says that Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you read about the second half of the tribulation, in Revelation 16 especially, you see things that happen that only God could do. They are expressions of His wrath. Let me just give you a taste. Oozing sores come upon those who have taken the mark of the beast. Oceans turn to blood. Sun scorches men with deadly fire. Complete darkness comes upon the whole earth. Worst earthquakes ever experienced. 100-pound hailstones. Well, there is more, but I'll stop there. <laughs> this is the releasing of God's wrath upon mankind, and Scripture is clear. Jesus is our rescue our lifeboat, our ark of deliverance. Speaking of the ark, well, that's my second point for the pre-tribulation rapture. In Luke 17, again, Jesus is speaking of the end of days when he says this in verse 26, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day 
that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Two things to learn from this. First is that when the deliverance comes, things will appear to be somewhat normal. Eating, drinking, marrying. For those who believe in a mid-tribulation or post-tribulation rapture, I really don't know how you explain this verse. Once the tribulation begins, this kind of normalcy will be gone, never to return. The other thing we learn is that in the days of Noah, the ark delivered him and his family from the flood, the wrath of God. Again, God's people don't experience his wrath. And Jesus says, in the end, it will be just like this. In the following verses, Jesus tells us this, Luke 17, 28. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, and they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on that day when the Son of Man is revealed. This is my third reason for believing in the pre-tribulation rapture. Again, life will appear normal right up to the salvation of God's people and the ensuing wrath. Lot and his family were rescued before the wrath was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus said it will be just the same, exactly the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. The church is the bride of Christ awaiting the return of Jesus, the bridegroom, in order that the great marriage feast can take place. I can't wait. I like the way Chuck Missler explains the pre-tribulation rapture. He says, I can't imagine Jesus beating up his bride for seven years and then deciding to marry her. Back to Israel and uh, what the current conflict may mean. As we know, Israel was uh, brutally attacked on October 7th by Hamas terrorists, and the Israeli Defense Force has retaliated in order to root out Hamas from Gaza in order to stop this from ever happening again. And Meanwhile, we see trouble on the northern border of Israel with a probable coming war with Hezbollah from Lebanon. And then there are Palestinians who live in the West Bank, which is east of Israel, who may at some time also engage in the conflict. And we also have the Houthis from Yemen, southeast of Israel, who have already been launching missiles at Israel. As we've heard many times on the news, these groups are all funded and supported by Iran. Could it be that the Arab world sees this as the time when they can finally achieve their goals of eliminating the Jewish people? Could it be that there is a coordinated plan already underway where, let's say, Hamas gets Israel bogged down in Gaza, then comes Hezbollah from the north, Palestinians from the east, all converging to overwhelm the little nation of Israel? There's just one problem with their plan. God will not allow it to happen. There are some who are calling the current conflict the Psalm 83 war. If you read that psalm, it says in verse 4 that the enemies of Israel have said, Come, and let us wipe them out as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. Well, that sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> in fact, that's, that's pretty much what Iran is saying uh, through its proxies today. But to be honest, I'm a bit undecided on whether Psalm 83 is about actual future events or if it's just a prayer for Israel's protection 
that could be applied to all her enemies throughout history. We just don't know. But there is another war that is assuredly a future conflict, and it's recorded in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's known as the War of Gog and Magog. This is where nations, not just proxies, not just these terrorist groups, but this is where nations conspire together to annihilate Israel. The nations listed in Ezekiel 38-39 are most likely led by Russia, Iran, and Turkey. There will be others that join the coalition, but this war, I believe, is spearheaded by these three countries and happens during the first half of the tribulation after the church has been raptured. So the main question is whether or not the pieces are in place for this type of war. I respond with a resounding yes. They are in place. Within the last decade, there has been a growing partnership between Russia, Iran, and Turkey especially. It would be easy to see the conflict that is currently going on um, resulting in an Israeli victory that wipes out the terrorist groups in such a way that this new coalition believes they are somehow now justified in their retaliatory efforts by sending in their weapons and forces against Israel. Well, there's just one problem with their plan. God simply won't allow it to happen. In fact, look at what it says in Ezekiel 38, 18. In verse 18, it says, It will come about on that day, when Gog comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, that my fury will mount up in my anger. Verse 22, with pestilence and with blood, I will enter into judgment with him and I will rain on him and his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, a torrential rain with hailstones, fire, brimstone. I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. God is going to intervene big time on Israel's behalf. This is going to happen. I mean, I know it sounds uh, far out, far-fetched even, but it is biblical. It is going to happen, and never before in history has the stage been set for this as it is right now. In conclusion, I believe it is impossible to deny that we are in the season for the end times and Israel is the centerpiece of it all. Their return to their homeland started the clock. We watch and we wait. In coming episodes, we will look at other prophetic things taking place and how we as Christians live today knowing that our complete and total redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four. We do hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. If you'd like to learn more about Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas, please visit us at gbcgt.org. Many blessings from our church family to yours.